Hey and welcome to our Heralds podcast, produced by Women's Ministries of the Salvation Army New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. I'm your host Rosie King from the Territorial Women's Ministries Department. Join us each episode to hear the courageous stories of Wahene Toa, mighty woman, to spur you on in your mission with Jesus Christ in the everyday. Psalm 68:11 says, The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim the good news are a mighty army. We are those women, and we are that army. We're joined today by Ingrid Goodwin Barrett. We're so excited. Um, she is the editor of The War Cry. She is just an outstanding advocate for women. Um, you might have read some of her articles in the past in The War Cry, just covered by the Holy Spirit. Ingrid, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's so exciting to be here. <laughs> I would love for us to share together a little bit of our hearts for women. I'd love it if you could um, tell us what your journey has been like with the church and working with women specifically. Yes, yeah. Well, I guess I'm always constantly grateful that God has brought me where I have been given a voice and I am allowed to be myself and um, be a leader. I mean, I still feel uncomfortable using that word, but, you know, actually be a leader, which is what God has put in me and actually express myself fully as a person of faith, as a woman of faith, as someone who loves Jesus. So I was raised in um, the Brethren Church. I have a great grounding in the Word of God. I love I love the Word of God. The orthodoxy was that women should be quite silent in the church. Part of my journey was actually coming from what I was brought up with and really having to ask some big questions about what it means to be a woman and mm. a woman of faith. So. For example, I'll say this, I actually even to this day sort of feel embarrassed that a friend of mine coming up to me and saying, you know, we were both 14, saying, you know, I really think we need to talk to the elders of the church because they're letting women speak and they're, they're getting a bit slack and come on Ingrid, let's go and talk to the elders about this. And so I was like, well, okay. So, you know, at I 14. got at 14. Wow. And so I went, she went to the elders and she said, we just really feel that, um, you know, you're you're allowing a sort of woman to speak a bit too much. And I was like, yes, yes, you know. <laughs> and um, I still feel embarrassed about that yeah. today. Obviously, that wasn't who I really was, but that was what I was brought up with. And I think all of us in our faith journey, we assimilate what we've learned until we get to a point of questioning it. And for me, probably I started questioning it at that age, which is why I remember it so vividly, feeling really conflicted in myself, sort of, going along with what I've been taught but in myself feeling like there's something not right about this mm. I remember someone at at school saying to me do you really believe that women shouldn't speak and saying yes I really believe that <laughs> you know sort of that, that conflict within myself and I think where it came to a crux was when I attended university and in fact I started tutoring at university and then I go to church on Sunday and I wasn't allowed to speak I wasn't able to teach mm. Um, there were real inconsistencies. I could teach Sunday school, but I couldn't teach in the church. I could yeah. teach at a youth group, but not in the main auditorium. I couldn't consistently live a Christian life. Um, I had to would have to become very dualistic and mm. separate my secular life to my spiritual life. And I didn't think that that's what being a disciple of Jesus should mm. look like. So that's when I started seriously questioning my status as a woman within the church. Um, I don't know how, if you're raised a woman in the Salvation Army, you feel, but for me, the role modeling was very much that to be a valid, good Christian woman looked like you're an excellent homemaker, mm. you a good baker, you're an excellent host, 
um, you got married and had children and that's what made you a successful woman within the mm. church. And I failed at all those things. I mean, to this day, Same. I can't bake a cake. I'm stressing out because it's my son's birthday and I've got to bake a cake tomorrow. You know, it's like Hello, countdown. the most stressful <laughs> thing in my life. And I still feel like, if I'm a real woman, I should be able to bake my son a cake. Um, you know, I didn't get married till I was 37. Um, I haven't been very good at having children. I was not good at all the things that women should mm. be good at in the church. So... I, ha- I felt a real sense of failure as a woman mm. for a long time. So that really brought into my own questioning. There's mm. a lot of shame culture. Shame culture. There? Yes, it is shame culture. And I think, um, you know, I really hesitate to talk about what being a woman in the church is because, mm. um, of course, whenever we start making huge generalizations, other people will feel like, well, I'm a woman and I don't feel that way. And are you saying that I'm not? a real woman in the same way that I didn't feel like a real woman because I couldn't bake a cake. So um, I'm sure there are women out there who are great at baking cakes and who have, you know, uh, like children and have been married since they're in their 20s and still feel like a failure as a woman, you know, like because there's something about the shame culture that we brought up in that um, sets us up for failure. Mm. And I like what you said in, your, in the very beginning about being fully yourself. And I think mm. often we um, see things on Facebook or um, the beautiful mm. designs that say, I am a daughter of God or I am a princess of God. Mm. And yet the, the crucial um, heart of the matter all throughout the New Testament um, is that Jesus came so we might be children of God. Mm. Um, and then out of that Absolutely. status and that fullness, we get mm. to experience who we are. Because when you think princess or daughter, mm. as you said, mm. there are a lot of um, connotations about maybe outward dress or appearance or beauty mm. or mm. delicateness or mm. whatever it is or status or role mm. and yet Jesus came so we would be um, known by our relationship to God absolutely um, yeah. yeah and I mean probably one of the more remarkable things about Jesus was that he didn't um, uh, seem to think along those gendered lines you know he yes um, he did lift women up and yes. quite kind of maybe indiscriminately he seemed to have a soft spot for women and the Bible does go out of the way to talk about the women that you know really broke the mold and one I mean one of my favorite stories is Mary and Martha because I always Mm. felt like a Mary in a Martha world like I actually wanted to be the one sitting at the feet of the theologians Mm. you know kind of drinking it in but um this certainly the church culture that I grew up in women weren't taught to be theologians Mm. study theology and preach and teach and how to sit at the feet of of Jesus and and, t- and learn um, in a really deep theological way. So we're kind of put into this mold of gardening devotionals, you know, sort of mm. at this. So we're kept at this kind of quite shallow level of spirituality. And the story of Mary and Martha, actually, people think it's about whether you're a doer or, a, you know, or a beer. Actually, what Jesus was calling out was the fact that Mary was not meant to be sitting at his feet as a woman. Mm. And she was she should have known her place which is in the kitchen and Jesus said no she's a disciple she sits here too I read Mm. a quote the other day that said uh, from an author who said we limit women to their bodies as a cage and then vilify Mm. them for gilding the cage over and over and over absolutely so I love what you said about Mm. the poverty of understanding Mm. that women um, are sometimes separated off either by Mm. negative stereotypes or hostile environments that Mm. um, are largely male dominated so women feel uncomfortable by sexual harassment by religious Mm. or theological misunderstandings that mean women Mm. are siphoned off with that Mm. poverty of understanding so Mm. 
we do the best we can with the little we have and sometimes mm. um, even that seems like not enough so mm. the sphere of home becomes the woman's domain mm. and yeah as you said where Martha was doing the sphere of home which was the woman's domain Jesus mm. was inviting more of her and he loved Martha and Mary mm. and in fact I think that story is another example of how um, religious or, or cultural thought can turn women on one another. I mean, Martha and Mary Absolutely. has become a, a um, Bible study. What kind of woman for, are you? Exactly. <laughs> and I think, well, they never talk about the two disciples who were like, Jesus, which side of your throne am I going to sit better? on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite? I mean, we never yeah. talk about that. But for women, yeah, there's this pitting against one another that oh, can happen. I mean, that's certainly something that I had to really um, unlearn mm. as a woman. And yes. for me, um, I mean, I, I love actually being a woman and I think one of the great gifts that we can give the world is, is our ability to have authentic, vulnerable friendships. Beautiful. And I think the, the enemy would want to take that away mm. from us and actually pits us against each other. So there's this underlying of competitiveness. So I, I love this Alanis Morissette song that, that says, um, did you just say she's amazing? Surely we both can't be amazing, you know? And <laughs> I love that because it's such, there's something in there like, um, we can't both be amazing. But that's not true, you know? I love, in my early 20s, I'd never really had an, a truly affirming female friendships. Wow. And when I came to Wellington, I just met this group of godly young women. And I was really suspicious of them at the time <laughs> because they were just, they were so over the top with their praise mm. and encouragement. And I just thought, who are these women? And, but actually, I, I drank it in and um, I learned from them actually what true female friendship looks like. And we have literally, I mean, I've literally had my best friends wipe snot off my face as I've been bawling my eyes wow. out, you know, and and develop that kind of friendship where we uh, just celebrate each other. And and since then, I've really made a commitment to myself that I will not compare myself to another woman, mm. that I will celebrate another woman. And I think that's what, like, godly feminism is, that we lift mm. each other up. I, I mean, I love the um, whole concept of manakitanga in that Beautiful. when we lift someone else up, we're all lifted up. Mm. And I think that's actually the heart of female friendship the gift mm. that we can give the world is that when we lift each other up we're, we're all lifted up mm. you know that's beautiful scott and i bought um so scott's my husband mm. we bought um some underbed storage <laughs> this is going somewhere <laughs> underbed storage from the warehouse the other day um and there was like 30 liters and 60 liters and it's great and we found out he has 30 liters worth of socks about 72 pairs unbelievable amount of socks I was thinking as you've been talking about um, all these gifts and abilities that you have and all the capacity you have to learn, to love. You've spoken about coming from a movement who nurtured you in so many ways that as you moved to the Salvation Army, you had the freedom to fill up on the learning and the teaching, mm. the preaching and the writing, coming to Wellington, having these friendships which mm. filled you spiritually like Jonathan and David had that oneness, didn't mm. they? Um, Ruth and Naomi in the Bible, just this oneness of mm. spirit. And it made me think that each of us has the capacity, the 30 litre, the 60 litre, whatever it is, mm. capacity in our spirits that God right. has made us for. And sometimes we only get to 15 litres or mm. three drops and mm. the world can say that's enough or that's a waste. I mean, there's mm. a really amazing book called Why Not Women? Mm -hmm. um, and we'll provide a link to that in the comment section. Um, women, and it said that there was a Jewish... Um, 
saying uh, to teach a woman the law is like pouring honey on the Torah like it's just it's a waste of time you know there's this kind of and I mean hey the Christian church since has said way worse things but often we can limit the capacity of women even mm. though God has made us for this expansive mm. beautiful living mm. uh, it makes me think of the widow and is it Elijah when um, the widow in the Old Testament was she had nothing and she'd helped him and she says you know um, like, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And he said, go and collect all of these deep capacity 30, 60 litre <laughs> from the warehouse. That <laughs> Under that storage. Yeah. <laughs> all these containers from your neighbours. And she just went and did it. Yeah. And then he filled yes. everyone, yes. everyone that she had. Like, the oil did not run mm. out. And she sold mm. it. And she was mm. she was set for life, I think. I think um, often, I mean, you know, that's the way faith works, as we all know, that we step out mm. and, and God fills. But yeah, I certainly, I mean, I've in a very real way as a woman had to step out because um, deep down, like I've always wanted to get married. I've never been someone who sort of didn't want to get married and, and shirked off those kind of like cultural expectations. Mm. I always have come under those expectations. And I mean, that's partly why I'm so passionate about women because if anyone was ever vulnerable to feeling bad about their body, bad about themselves, coming under the beauty myth, it was me. I mean, I have had to explore all that and deconstruct that because I was... It was and still am so vulnerable to that, wanting to be the mm. beautiful girl, wanting to be marriage material, wanting to be meek so that I won't be too challenging to the guy. And I, I do remember at one stage very much God calling me into this church, a youth church where I was literally the oldest one, and saying to God, if I take this step, I'll never get married. There won't, mm. There's no one there for me to meet. I'm going to be a female leader, the only female leader at that church. Wow. I'll be the oldest one in that church. Um, well, that's it for me. You know, I'll, if, if this is what you want for me, you want me to be a single woman and I, I minister to women for the rest of my life. Well, okay, God, you know. Yeah. And I actually felt God saying to me very strongly, look, it's okay if you want to stay in your safe place but you'll be blessed if you step out. Wow. And so I said, okay, God. Like most times I've actually <laughs> said okay to God. I've done it kicking and screaming like, yeah. Ugh, you know that I know better and this isn't going to work out, God. <laughs> you know? I hear you. I and, hear you. Um, but did it anyway. And, oh, the freedom. I mean, I just went to a place where I could be myself. And out of that came like such a blessing because it was going into like a wide open space where I could be who God had called me to be. But first of all, I had to actually allow God to take off the shackles of expectations I'd put on myself. I wonder if um, the idea of a uh, real woman, being a mm. real woman or a mm. real man, if you've ever heard the phrase, um, mm. no true Scotsman, so um, the saying is, oh, well, no, no true Scotsman would ever. And so the, the definition or the mm. um, conditions of being a true Scotsman mm. are so ethereal. They always change. There's never, there yes. is no true Scotsman. Yeah. So it's a little bit the same for women yeah. as, uh, well, a real woman wouldn't or yes. a real woman would. Well, I am no less or more real than I Yes, currently right. am yeah, like you yeah. touch my skin I, I'm real like mm, I'm alive and mm. it's when you read the scripture that says uh, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood but powers and principalities and rulers of this mm. dark world and I think there's something in that that the checks and balances of a real man or a real woman mm. are actually these powers and principalities and rulers that we're trying to obey because we think it'll keep us safe or it'll give us status yes yeah. and I love what you said mm. casting off the shackles and it made me think I wonder if it's the same about being 
a wife as it is about being a woman in some ways we think one day I'd like to be married and you don't know who it might be mm. or but this is what it should look like or will look Absolutely. like and but when you meet the person if you do get married you meet the person and suddenly it's not about being a wife it's about being in relationship with this person and the wife bit comes like secondary almost because it just begins to grow and I wonder if it's the same before God that um, being daughters of God, well, first of all, we're in relationship with him and the real man, real woman, whatever else, that falls away because as we build that relationship, the status, it just outflows naturally and it's not something that we have mm. to adhere to or earn mm. or act our way into or out of. It's just God's the most it's important one. learning who you are in God. Yes, it is saying that... that um, the glory of God is man or woman fully alive. Oh, beautiful. And that's so true. And actually, I, I heard something yesterday which I loved, and that was that the words for healing and holiness come from the same root. Wow. And so holiness, I mean, we we, we are a holiness movement. We mm. talk about holiness a lot. It's hugely misunderstood, and mm. I misunderstood it as a, as a young woman because I thought holiness meant looking a certain way and yeah. acting a certain way. Holiness is the fruit of healing. So as you come into wow. your fullness in God, yeah. you naturally become more like Jesus. Mm. You he he is a healer. Mm. So he's he's healed me of body disorder, wow. eating disorder. He healed the brokenness that I had as a woman. And that leads to mm. true holiness being able to be you fully alive in Christ. That's beautiful. Mm. And that's a wide open space. That's not mm. a narrow set of rules and regulations that we follow. That's a, a wide open space to be who God truly calls mm. us to be. Yeah. There's a scripture around that that says, um, you lead me to an open place and give yes. me a place to stand. Yes, and absolutely. You talked about manakitanga, the Māori mm. word manakitanga, meaning hospitality and mm. inclusion and openness and uplifting mm. and mm. Um, something that I think I see happening for women and especially um, in the Salvation Army, um, through all the women who make up the Salvation Army, is tūranga waiwai, mm -hmm. like a place to stand, stand yeah. a place to call your own. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I see women in our Facebook groups and communities Facebook page um, who will witness sometimes to um, our different women saying I'm preaching this Sunday or I'm doing this this Sunday mm -hmm. and women from other movements and denominations will say oh I'm not part of the Salvation Army but I wish I was mm -hmm. because there is a place to stand for mm -hmm. us and I think Absolutely. This yeah. is, that's what we're called to isn't yes, it as the yeah. cross provides us a place to stand where we had no place before. I mean, mm. they mm. say that when the Christian church started, um, people derided it as the religion of women and slaves. Yep, absolutely. Because who had mm. the least in society? Mm. Women who were less than slaves. And yet Jesus came and longest theological conversation was with the woman at the mm. well. The woman who said, um, you know, Master, will, will you heal my child? And he said, oh, I have come to the Jews first. Mm. Like, I, I, I can't give it to the dogs. I mean, it's this confusing scripture. Yeah, yeah, and yet she says... Strange. <laughs> Even the dogs get scraps from the master's table. And it was this yeah, yeah. funny, joking, but serious theological exchange. And he was impressed she by her. She challenged him. She challenged mm. him. I mean, he was anointed for his mm. kingship and his burial by women. Mm. I mean, mm. that was, the, yes, that was right. the role of a prophet. I mean, yes, Samuel went right. around doing that. And yeah, here are these yeah. women. The woman mm. meeting the disciples' needs with their own money. Mm. This wasn't the domain of women limited mm. to a little circle. This was mm. women bringing glory to God by mm. being their full selves. Yeah, absolutely. Fully alive. 
I mean, that's a very, very godly concept. And I think mm. this is why I actually like to reclaim the word feminism. Mm. And sometimes I call it the F word. Um, <laughs> you know, like we do, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard. And I mean, feminism is a little bit more back in fashion now. But certainly for most of my life, I've heard Christian women say, I'm not a feminist, but. Mm. And I'll be like, aren't you? Because do you believe that women are equal with men? Because that's actually a really biblical teaching. And that's mm. what the heart of feminism is. You know, I think you could call Jesus one of the first feminists mm. because he treated women as if they were equal to men. A radical concept. I mean, mm. when you think back to you're talking about, you know, sort of being able to be who you are. Um, I mean, when you think about that woman breaking into the male domain and yeah. anointing Jesus' feet with oil, you know, like what are, and Jesus like lapping it up and, mm. and loving it and, and embracing her for it. And just, you know, the sort of gutsy nature of doing yeah. that. And um, and Jesus was, he very much, very deliberately lifted women up. And then Paul goes to say that radical thing, that men and women are equal, you know, mm. slaves, you know, slave and free are equal. And, you know, we're all one in Christ. Mm. It's hard for us to grasp, like, what a radical concept mm. that was. When we lift women up, men are lifted up as mm. well. Because men are also bound by cultural expectations. Mm. So, you know, if we lift women up and we give value to sort of classically feminine traits such as emotion and empathy, and mm. um, actually we free men to be able to be emotional and show empathy. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of binge drinking is because men are not allowed to express their emotions mm. and we don't teach our men how to be vulnerable. I was actually given the reason why women shouldn't be able to speak in church is that they'd get too emotional. And there was no question given to, well, what's so wrong with emotion, you know? Yeah. And um, we all experience the same emotions. We do. But expressing yeah. them might be different, and you're right. So, wow. Well, we become the the gatekeepers of conservatism, and I, I really don't understand how it's happened. God is not bound by the church. If we're not doing God's work, He'll use people out there yeah. to do his work. Yeah. And so, you know, if the church is not going to step up and say, actually, women are equal with men, he'll use resources that are out there. And he did. Mm. He has, you know. Um, he has. He used culture to lift women up. But the mm. problem is that when it becomes secularized, well, the grace of Jesus is taken out of it. Mm. And so it can become... A lot of people don't want to align themselves with feminism is because of this feeling that it's about man-hating. Hey, what we believe is that we're both equal and we're both free in Christ and we bring our love to the table, our love for each other to the mm -hmm. table and we free each other, um, both as individuals and at a systemic level. We mm -hmm. free each other to be everything that God made us to be. Well, I love that Jesus... Um instructed his disciples to be marked by their love for one another mm. and the greatest becoming the least mm. because it cracks me up how the disciples are like which one of us is the greatest yeah, which one's going to be at your right and your left hand mm. like it's me it's me and I look at John the Baptist actually when he was um, baptizing people mm. and when Jesus first went down to the river Jordan John's disciples said to him look that guy is baptizing more people than you. Yeah. Like, oh, for goodness sake, leave the poor guy alone. I mean, he wears hair shirts, everyone hates him, he's out of the wilderness. And then um, John says, he must become greater and I must become less. Mm. And it wasn't this fake humility or self-effacement, like erasing himself. It was this genuine 
beautiful love mm. and um, admiration on the deepest part of his spirit about who God is, about mm. who Jesus is, and he's like, and I will become less. And then it says the disciples left him mm. and went to Jesus. And I think there was just again and again, Jesus says, give your power away. I had a friend of mine recently say to me that growing up in the church as a woman who had very little power, Mm. there was no nuance in that message Mm. when people said, give your power away. And they direct the same message at those who held lots of privilege as they would to those who had almost none. And that for her as a woman in a movement that restricted a lot of her um, freedom Mm. and speaking, Mm. that she felt even more powerless because she Mm. said, I I have so little power. Mm. And I think that's a limitation when we don't acknowledge the power relations that can Mm. happen Mm. between men and women when we Mm. preference men's voices or men's status or men's stories in the Bible when we deliver something that says, give your power away. And so sometimes women who have so little power think, oh, and even that I must... You know, mm. I must become even less mm. for this orthodoxy, for the structure, rather than for Jesus. Because mm. Jesus actually saw the ones with the least power, as you said, and he lifted them up. For Mary mm. and Martha, who they mm. didn't think Mary deserved to be there, and Martha probably everyone thought she should be working three times harder. <laughs> actually, Jesus said, he wasn't like, oh, Mary, get back in the kitchen. He was mm. like, come join. She's mm. chosen the better way. So Jesus mm. um, is not an equal opportunist in terms of like everyone just do the same thing but he sees those who have so little and he raises us up Mm. and those who have so much he says sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor Mm. Um, Mm. I love that and he certainly saved his harshest words for those with the greatest positions of power yes um, and he said, you know, like one thing that really resonates with me is, he, you know, when he said to the Pharisees, why do you burden these people with all yeah, your rules and that. regulations? And I, that resonates with me because we, we actually have continued to do that in the church. Wow. You know, we've really burdened people with all our rules and regulations so that someone who doesn't uh, live up to our Christian standards walks into the church. They know in mm-hmm. a number of ways, spoken or unspoken, then they're not fully accepted. And... Um, that's something really broken in our church culture that we Mm. need to face and we need to change. We're Mm. not there to moralise. We're there to be Christ and to open the door for everyone to receive Christ. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. When you were talking earlier about um, Paul, uh, that he was somebody who... um, loved Jesus, loved the church, Mm -hmm. sometimes had stern words to say, Mm -hmm. sometimes words of encouragement. Um, He commended Phoebe, Diakonos, Mm -hmm. uh, which was leader, um, authority, almost government figure um, to the churches. He was uh, sometimes misunderstood, some people have said, as uh, limiting women. Um, Mm -hmm. There's been misinterpretations Mm -hmm. of scripture where in 1 Timothy it says, and women must remain silent in the churches and Mm -hmm. learn in silence. Um, but actually there's some amazing resources out there um, that mm. show this was never his intention mm. when earlier he was saying and the spirit of God pours out on whoever God mm. wills um, to yeah. teach to preach to prophesy sons and daughters and mm. um, old prophecy from Joel will will just they're gonna they're gonna be filled with the spirit there should be no limitations Marge Mikowsko is a woman I follow on Facebook who's a theologian who um, will post the link in the comments has awesome exp- um, exposition <laughs> um, of each of these scriptures and the original Greek behind them. In fact, mm. Paul's mm. scripture was saying that a woman must learn 
a woman should learn oh, and in soberness, yes. not in silence. I mean, why would he say, Let's the, let the spirit fly? Oh, but yes. women be silent. Yes, but yes. in those days, you didn't teach the woman. The mm. men had the serious teaching. The so woman that in had itself little, was radical. That mm. in itself was mm. radical. Yeah. Um, the ones about women not having authority over men. Well, actually, that was never the original intent of that Greek. It mm. was about um, the Greek word has connotations of murderous control. Mm. I mean... Again and again, and he says uh, that you are to mutually submit to one another. That's right. And yeah. I think sometimes when we read the Bible, I've said in the past, it's like reading a book about um, Spain, and like mm. this is what this looks like, and that looks like, and this looks like. Well, if I haven't been to Spain, I'm going to impose my experience. Oh, well okay, I know what Mount Taranaki looks like, so maybe that's what this looks like, or mm. I know what um, this road looks like down in Wellington. Maybe mm. this is what it looks like in Spain. So mm. it's bizarre when we pick up the Bible and mm. it's talking about places and countries and cultures and churches that we haven't seen ourselves, mm. and we think from a simple reading, I'm going to impose my experience. Absolutely. So yeah. well, how have you learnt more and got your head into the yeah, biblical it's... country, the biblical context? Oh, I mean, I'm no expert but um, I mean that's been huge for me because uh, of course the church culture that I grew up in was very much open the Bible read it and take it at face value and that's what mean having a high view of scripture is it's the um, you know uh, infallible word of God um, and that means that my reading of it must be infallible too ah. and um, I think you know I one of my pet peeves is people who if you take a more cultural and contextual view of scripture people that don't will say well I actually take a higher view of scripture mm. well actually to go from a, a shallow understanding of scripture to questioning it and saying this doesn't make sense to me God from my reason and my my experience and um, my brain tells me that this doesn't make sense to going and saying and admitting I'm very distant from the text I've got 2,000 years of distance from this text I'm culturally different I actually need to do a bit of work to understand yeah. this what was he actually saying to the people then and and so what does that mean for us today and one of the things that was really revelatory to me was this concept of hierarchy that when we think of hierarchy we naturally think of a linear ladder to the sky so you know sort of women you know probably children at the bottom women men god mm. and in fact that's a very uh, greek uh, roman way of thinking that we've inherited from philosophy and was not actually the jewish picture that they had in their mind when when paul talked about authority the view that paul had in his mind was a circular interdependence mm. that is a beautiful vision mm. of christ men women all depending on each other mm. for nourishment and for understanding and belonging. When I look at that picture and I think of it in a circular way of interdependence, I think, oh, that's really beautiful. The problem with the verse was not the verse, it was my understanding of it. So actually, if you take a high view of Scripture and you love Scripture, we have actually an obligation to mm. look at it when in this cultural and historical context mm. if we really want to understand Christ and we really want to understand what it means to be a disciple. Our job is to know Jesus and understand Jesus and show yeah. Jesus to the world. And actually my dad taught me that he said as a young man, if there was anything I read in the Bible and I didn't understand it, I'd make a note at the back and say, okay, God, in time you'll help me to understand it. Mm. And that really helped me when I read the Bible and there's something I don't understand. I'll think, okay, show me God. And, you know, over time... God will show you, you know, I mean, through research and 
through using all the tools that he's given us, you know. Mm. Not just revelation, he does give us revelation as well, yeah. but not just that, like using our brains and engaging with the, with the text. And I found that many of my questions that could have actually, I could have walked away from the church because I had permission to question mm. and gave myself permission to question, I actually was able to go into a deeper level of faith and deeper understanding mm. of God without walking away from the church, which I've seen a lot of my friends do. Mm. I was really blessed that at that time where I came to that stage in faith, it just so happened that um, I joined this home group um, that met on Sunday mornings instead of going to church, and we questioned everything. Mm. And we went through a text called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. And, you know, really no question was off limits, and we were allowed to question everything. And that saved my faith and it gave me such a, a deeper wow. sense of who God is and a deeper understanding that he can hold up to any questioning. That's the wonderful thing about God is, as I was just interviewing someone the other day who said, we're just dipping our toes into the ocean of who God is. And I'm mm, like, that's, that's the wonderful beautiful. thing about God. Yeah. He's an ocean. He is an yeah. ocean. We're just dipping our toes in, you know. There's so much more to him. Mm. There's so much. We don't need to reduce him he's expensive mm. and I suppose most of us know people or Christian celebrities in a sense or high profile speakers who um <laughs> the the like phrases stir the pot they yes, yeah, ask yeah. questions for the sake of agitation and yet I think we are asking questions to better understand absolutely and there's yeah. never a wrong way to do that because we're not just stirring a pot we're actually cooking something beautiful that will nourish our spot like yeah, that's souls right. yeah. that as we ask these questions sure it will agitate but mm. it's not that just we're doing that for the fun of it we actually mm. want more of who God is and I yes. think yeah you're right if we're told that's wrong that to ask more to ask for more knowledge from God mm. is sinful, it's lacking faith. Well, mm. actually, faith has been certain of what we hope for and sure of what we do not see. That's it's right. not sure of everything that we've ever been told. It's, well, I'm certain that God is good and I'm sure of who he is, but I need to know these things within mm. it. And I love what you said that um, your dad encouraged you to write, well, I'm sure that, will you enlighten me on this? Mm. Holy Spirit, mm. make this text 3D because mm. just as the Bible speaks of literal countries and people and um, tribes and customs that we don't know, it also speaks of a country on top of that, which is the kingdom of God. Mm. And that is fully knowable, well, knowable, one day fully, mm. um, now through a glass darkly, but it speaks mm. of the kingdom of God that we can know more of. I love mm. as we cook and dance and like worship and mm. emote um, yeah. together. Other people will hear that, you know, in country yeah. and westerns when the people are traveling in the wilderness and they see a fire and they hear the noises and the cooking mm. smells and someone's got a guitar, like that's where they gravitate yes. to, yeah. not these cold, frigid angry um, men standing in the darkness or women with books of theology it's where people are meeting together and creating community and I just think that's a picture of church I I mean I can understand why people do not gravitate to the church Mm. as it stands but I don't think anyone can resist Jesus yeah I think something we need to always remember as as women speaking specifically into the female context is Mm. that part of the brokenness of the world is that there is inequality yeah. between men and women. So there part of the inequality. fall, mm. a very specific part of mm. the fall, was that women would always be kind of under men. Yeah. And as 
part of bringing in the kingdom of God, part of redemption is actually to lift each other up. And, mm. and actually, um, we're doing the kingdom of God work. I really uh, think that the next move for us um, as a movement and the church will be to get better at sitting in the discomfort when you're yeah, speaking definitely. about um, God mm. uses people outside um, the like community of believers to bring mm. the word of God sometimes when we mm. refuse to. I think of, right. um, Pilate's wife. His, his will will be done. Yeah, and mm. Pilate's wife, mm. um, when Jesus was on trial, sent a note to Pilate and said, have nothing to do with this man. I've been tormented all night. Mm. He is innocent. Leave him alone. Mm. And I just think God just moves with whoever That's he right. needs. He will. He I think will. of the Me Too movement and yep, the church which launched with um, women beginning to um, speak openly about all their horrific experiences of Mm. sexual assault and abuse Mm. and harassment is that God is raising up a standard for justice and if we can sit in that discomfort of Mm. listening to women's stories and think that the church will experience just the doors being thrown open and Holy Spirit coming through and just falling on us because we are not rushing Um, The healing, as you said, that holiness comes from healing Mm. and healing comes from the first place of admitting pain. And if we can sit with each other's pain um, and then say, Jesus, will you bring healing? Mm. I mean, that holiness holiness movement of the Salvation Army could and will reignite if we Mm. can get the pain to healing to holiness part rather than just being like, let's act holy. Did it work? Absolutely right. And I, I can see historically that you know, the Salvation Army came from a place of pain. Mm. And and then as Jesus healed them and taught them yeah, how beautiful. to live right, yeah. <laughs> then it became institutionalized and we became much more middle class. Yeah. And then ironically, sometimes we struggle to accept the people in pain yeah. into our congregations. Yeah. Always remember that we came from that place of pain. Yeah. And God gave us healing. So can we please beautiful. offer healing to others who are beautiful. in that place of pain? So we've been talking about the healing that God brings, Mm. equality and oneness, that view of lifting the curse through Jesus' blood, that that men and women will be working in tandem and unity. How does that outwork itself in your marriage? Are there things that you put in (laughs) place? Are there things you have to be conscious of that mean the two of you operate in your strengths and not just in expectations? I had to learn very quickly that, no, a man will not fulfill your every need. Mm. <laughs> and here I was, you know, independent, strong woman. But um, I think, well, the way we started um, is actually quite an interesting story because as I sort of hinted at, at, at the time, I was very busy um, being a woman and ministering to women and loving women. And that part of that might be being single for the rest of my life. And someone said to me, once you find your ministry, then someone will come along beside you to compliment that and I was like (laughs) good luck finding a man who's passionate about women's ministries Um, and I got a letter from this guy over in England saying I read some of your writing about women and I really love it (laughs) so the way we met actually was it responded and said thanks for the encouragement and um, and uh, that was really lovely and then he he wrote back again and long story short we'd be married eight years it started off on the basis that he was someone who actually showed me respect for what I was already doing and actually loved what I was already doing and um that was quite unusual for me because I was still in quite a patriarchal church at that time I we've only been in the army for the last eight or so years and oh man I mean we've had times of real difficulty working out what that means Mm. in marriage you know um but he respects me it's not actually um that complicated 
he respects me for who I am and he gives me a voice in marriage and um, I mean one of the things that I heard a lot growing up was you know well if you have a disagreement in marriage it has to be the man's decision you know he has to be the one that makes mm. the final decision and I always thought aren't you two both grown-ups I mean shouldn't you be able to come to a decision together if you can't at the very least talk about something mm. and try and come to the middle on something then that's pretty low bar for yeah. where a marriage should be so I've always had the view that at the very bottom the kind of lowest expectation you should at least be able to talk about something and come to a decision together mm. as equals without one person sort of like putting their foot down against you and pulling um, rank isn't and it? pulling rank I mean that doesn't sound healthy to me no that's yeah. a hierarchy within marriage and yeah, yeah um, Genesis says, and for that reason, a man shall leave his family and cleave to the woman. And mm, you think, well, mm. that means that the man should have taken the woman's last name. You yeah, know, yeah, actually, that's right. Yeah. And then God says, like, there's gonna, there's such unity in male and female that it's that's not right. a hierarchy. And mm. I think the man having the final say is on par with that um, colloquialism that people think is scripture, and it's not. That God will not give you anything more than you can oh, handle. It's yeah. just a lie, such a and it's scripture. not in there, mm. and it's not reflective of yeah, God's character, right. who God is. Not that yeah. God's gonna like try and break your spirit but actually we need mm. to know who it is that mm. we are um, summing up with these little epithets and so mm. you know man getting the final say that is not scripture that is no. extrapolated taken out from all these little tidbits of scripture so if I got um, something by Mark Twain or War and Peace and pulled out like maybe five or six different sentences throughout the whole book and tried to make a little summary what an incomplete picture. Yeah, that's and so, right. Yeah, you're and that's right. why we need to be very, that's why we need to have good stewardship of how we read scripture. Another thing that I really had to overcome, this uh, expectation growing up that the man should be slightly more spiritual than the woman, so that the man should yeah. be the spiritual leader of the household. So I don't know how many conversations I've had with girls when I was single who said, um, well, I, I really, I need a guy who's stronger than me spiritually because I'm not that strong. When I challenge that because I'd yeah. say it's your spirituality, your relationship with God. A man is not going to take the place of your relationship with God, and mm. and if you're looking for that, that's that's actually idolatry. Um, I had to let go of that expectation mm. myself. So Martin, I, I, our relationship works partly because Martin is really comfortable with the fact that I'm a spiritually motivated person mm. who loves to talk about the Lord, who will teach my son about the Lord, and that I have just as much right to teach my son about the Lord as he does, mm. and that I have just as much right to be a spiritual leader in the home mm. as he does. Mm. And so I am able to flourish in that marriage, and so can he, hopefully. And that's actually fun for me. <laughs> well, that's taken from another epithet, which is man is head of the home. Yes. Not true. That's not that's scripture. Right. And if anything, it's isolated from, and the man is head of a woman or the woman, so not all women, it's mm. a particular man, is head of a particular woman, who mm. is that man? Who is that woman? And there's theology and this amazing, again, um, exposition of that scripture particularly that says this is not about boss, because if it's hierarchy, it was God is, oh, also it means that God is then head of Jesus. How does this work? Mm. Are we talking about eternal subordination? But actually, the Greek root of that is source, or the beginning or origin, this beautiful flowing up. So mm, God created man out of that. Mm. Eve was taken, a man, the woman, was taken out of, and then Jesus was the source. Because nowhere does Jesus say, I've got the final say over the church, so blah, 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 even though God is the authority, mm. and yet he provides the source. He came mm. in and he came to serve. He didn't boss everyone around. Yes, he was right, the yeah. ultimate source. And I yeah. think there is such beauty to be found, not just in the role of, I am a daughter 
I am a son, I am the wife, I am the this, but actually, like, I am the child of God. Yeah. So who are you as my father, son, and yeah, spirit? Right. Who are you yeah. as my mother? Who are you mm. as this, there's this fullness, and mm. I love what you said. What was the Ignatius quote again? The glory of God is woman fully alive. The glory of God is woman fully alive. Mm. I think that is just stunning. Yes. And again, like you were saying about, you know, sort of that, that hierarchy that we like we mentioned before, that we bring a sort of very linear understanding of hierarchy, whereas the scriptural hierarchy is actually very interdependent. So that really helps. Mm. That's a really beautiful picture of marriage. Mm. Christ, man, woman together. Yes. Um, Stunning. And yeah, and, and that actually is the scriptural um, vision of marriage. And there's the two creation accounts in Genesis. You know, Genesis 1, and then I think it's Genesis 3, and Genesis 3 it said, And in the beginning God made a dharma, earthling, Mm. And then out of that, splitting the two, then there was Adam and Eve mm. from Adama the earthling. It wasn't good for Adama to be alone. That's so right. there's this picture of mm. the one becoming two, that in order when they get married or that um, idea of cleaving or the fullness of the church, they come back together to be one in community. Mm. And I think mm. there is a real loss that we have experienced in not following Christ's mandate to lay down the power to proclaim right. freedom for captives, yeah. to allow all people to be fully themselves, mm. um, to rebuke degradation or Absolutely. objectification or mm. um, molestation and sexual um, yeah, othering of yes, women. Yes, I yeah. think there's a new, fresh movement coming mm. um, in the Salvation Army has almost a, a beautiful holiness stain on us that we can bring more into the 21st century um yeah absolutely yeah. oh that's great ingrid i think we've we've covered we've so much we have yeah. it's beautiful so i would love to pray with you thank you um, something i do with our guests mm -hmm. um thank you my hands are like little ice blocks shall we <laughs> shall we pray together god i thank you that we are never more fully alive than when we are connected into you and in your presence. I thank you um, for the dancing joy that is Ingrid. She is like when you uh, wake up on a Saturday morning with nothing in front of you and for the day and you see like lights playing across the ceiling from being reflected on water. It's something beautiful and fluid um, and it moves to this unheard tune and that is the spirit that lives and breathes within Ingrid, your Holy Spirit. I pray that you continue to anoint her fingers for battle and train her hands for war. Um, that she would be a rallying cry to those um, who haven't formed their opinions yet or who haven't um, fully understood your word to look and listen and hear and taste and see that you are good, that you are good and you are righteous and you are just and you are holy and you are for the poor and broken hearted. Yeah, so thank you for Ingrid. Bless her family. Um, mm. Bless Martin. Thank you um, for this marriage based on trust and respect. Um, yeah, bless their future. Thank you um, for their child. We love you. Mm. Um, bless uh, her place in community and continue mm. to be exalted in their life. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Herald's Podcast. Join us for our next episode where we talk with longtime salvationist Faye Clark about the importance of processing our emotions through significant life transitions, the difference a good supervisor makes, and how having appropriate conversations make us a better community. 
We would love to keep the discussion going. Head on over to our community on Facebook and Instagram and look for this episode's discussion post to join in 